All right, this week, Pastor Doug and Lois are gone. So this week, we get the honor of listening uh, to the Word of God from Dan Gebhardt. So will you guys give him a big hand as he comes up and shares? Thank you, sir. Well, good morning. You all look amazing. I'm glad you're here. I want to give a shout out to our worship team. Amen, amen, amen. And the reason why I want to give a shout out is, especially, you know, for the older generation that is having a difficult time embracing where we're going as far as worship, listen, embrace it. We're there. We're there. And here's what I really appreciate about our worship team, the fact that young people are involved. I am so glad they're using their gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. I am so glad they're willing to come up here and lead us into the presence of God. And I think they did exactly that this morning, don't you? And so thank you, worship team. You amaze me every single week. You bring me to tears. It's just, yeah, one more. Come on, give it up. Well, I am, I'm excited to be able to bring the word to you this morning. Um, it's been a word that's been on my heart for several weeks. Uh, this whole idea of, you know, the, uh, being empowered for the last days. We are living in the last days. But there's this idea of this narrative, what we know to be true. What we know to be true. Um, in other words, the but God, you know, we're looking at what's happening around us. And we go, we... But God, are you catching that? But God, okay? So what I want to do is um, kind of reiterate what's been said over the last four weeks, because Pastor Doug's been bringing us a series called Empowered to Live in the Last Days, not Hide in the Last Days. Just a thought. And here it is. Here's the topics that he covered. It's a love story. He talked in the very first week, he talked about a love story. In other words, Jesus presented to us what the last days will look like because he loves us, that he wants us to be prepared so that we're bold, as we've been hearing this morning, bold with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the the quote that was brought up was prophecy, Bible prophecy is not given to scare us, but to prepare us. And the scripture that he brought up, it says, in John 14, 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. How many of you know there could be a temptation to get a little bit troubled in the days we're living in? There could be that. I know none of you have all fallen to any of that in the last three or four years, maybe. I know. I mean, we're all people of bold faith, right? Amen, amen. Yeah, Jesus is coming back. But, and we're living, are we living in the last days? Yes. We started living in the last days when Jesus said, is it finished? When he said, it is finished, we began living in the last days. We don't know exactly when he's coming back. We know he is. And, and let me just throw this at you. We just need to be about our father's business. As Jake said, he learned to be a bolder witness. Last uh, Sunday afternoon, we had the opportunity to spend some time on the streets praying for people. It was so cool to get outside the building. This guy pulls in, and he, he was doing his best to give Jimmy and Sam and I a hard time. 
And we just wouldn't let him. He, we wouldn't let him give us a... Well, I said, it's just the church got out of the building. That's what we're doing here. Let us pray for you. And Jimmy started to pray, and then he tried to argue, and we just wouldn't let him get away with it. It was, it was so much fun. So what are three of the things that we got out of that first lesson was, well, we should be right with God. I mean, isn't that true? We should be right with God. We should rely on godly relationships. In other words, we need one another. We should do everything we can to make a difference. Everything, everywhere we go, making a difference. The second week that he talked about was the promise and problem of Christ's return. And he said this in Matthew 25, 13. Watch, therefore... For you know not neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. It's true, he's coming back. But we need, again, we need to be about our Father's business. What is God going to do through me in the life of those who need to hear his message? Because they need him like we needed him. Thankfully, someone stood up and said, Hey, do you want to know Jesus? Aren't you glad you said yes? I am. The third week was the Antichrist revealed. Do, do, do. That's the best I can do with the sound effect. And he went through all these scriptures about the Antichrist and all the things and, and, and places where it's brought up. But the scripture that I highlighted was at the very end of the message in Isaiah. It's, and it's on there, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9 and 10. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. That's the God we serve. And as, as that song said, we serve the God of all these people who recognize the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the miracles of God, the signs and wonders of God. That's the God that you and I serve today. He's the same God. He hasn't quit being God. He's not sitting back and going, I just would say figure it out. He's God. So what are some of the things that he says, I will do my, my pleasure was the last part that he says, I will do my pleasure. So the Antichrist spirit has been around for 2,000 years. And now the Antichrist has not been revealed that we know of yet, but it doesn't matter. Christ is almighty, Amen. right? Greater than the Antichrist. And everybody wants to focus on the little guy, the Antichrist, when in essence, we need to focus our attention on Christ. Amen. Amen. Boy, you could almost get me to preach in here this morning. And all that to say that Jesus is still coming back. He's still coming back. And last week, there was the great harvest, great message Pastor Doug and Matthew preached. And here's the scripture I really want to highlight for you right now. And that is this, Acts 2, 17 to 21. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters might prophesy, shall, right? Shall, shall prophesy. That's what it says. I mean, it's right here. Yeah. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maids, men servants and my maid servants, I will 
pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Yeah, give God a hand. This is awesome. This is his word. And what did Matthew have on his shirt? He says, hold the line, expand the kingdom. We're not called to go hide out because we're waiting for the return. We're called to be bold and proclaim the word of God in the generation that we're living in. That's what it's all about. That's what our pastors have been trying to get across to us, sermon after service, after week, after month, after year. Yeah, yeah, is that, <laughs> you're right, is that we recognize God's call on our lives. See, our pastors are here to equip us to do it. Just a thought. I get those once in a while. My wife goes, really? And the second, and the second part of that, first of all, hold the line, expand the kingdom. And here it is. Jesus is coming back. Now, how many of you have noticed that things have changed over the last couple years? And they're continuing to do so, and it's kind of like, okay, what, what, what's going on? It seems as though giants are ruling on all seven mountains of influence. It seems they're ruling on all seven, and I, operative word there, seems. It seems as though at times that we're powerless to do anything about it, so we're tempted to just hide and cry out, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that the temptation? Yes. But that's not what he's called us to do. Nope. So what in the world are the seven mountains? I'm just throwing this at you real quick. It's, it's, here's the seven mountains of influence. It's government, media, arts and entertainment, family, economy, religion, and education. Those are the seven mountains of influence. And it seems as though many years ago, the body of Christ, the church said, well, Jesus is coming back, so we don't need to worry about those mountains. We don't need to worry about being an influence there. And so we're just going to acquiesce to the pressure of everybody telling us, now, you've heard it out there. They're saying, you just need to keep your faith private. I don't find anywhere in the Word of God where it ever says that. It says, preach everywhere you go. Be bold with your, your life and the message of your life, the testimony of your life and what God's done in you. If we're supposed to take it outside the doors and be public with our faith, right? That's what it says. So those are the seven mountains of influence. The enemies, here's the enemy's narrative, and I bring this up because there's a narrative going around how many of you have heard the word narrative prior today? Oh, a lot over the last couple of years. Narrative, right? I mean, it's all over. It's like, well, the narrative of this and the narrative of that. And here's the narrative. Well, it's the enemy's narrative uh, uh, attempts to breathe thoughts of fear, hopelessness, anxiety, and discouragement into our life. That's what the enemy does. He'll put a thought in there. You're not going to make it. So wait a minute, hold on. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Just get ready for when the enemy brings a thought, the Holy Spirit brings that word up at the due season and says, here's what you need to believe. But the Father's narrative, 
What do we know to be true? What do you and I know to be true? Well, we're going to find out here in a minute. What does the word narrative mean? Here's what it means. A narrative can be a story or a tale giving an account of a series of related events or experiences. This can be non-fictional and fictional, presented through a sequence of written or spoken words, also could be images or whatever, and narrative can also be presented as fact, but it's not, right? It can be presented as fact, but it's not. The enemy comes along with a narrative of fact, but it's not, to bring you into a position where he's, he's lying and he's trying to take you down. He doesn't care that, listen, he doesn't care that you got born again. He just cares if you're effective in your walk. Because if you're effective in your walk, you're messing up the devil's kingdom. You're de- messing up what the enemy's trying to get away with. We're just unveiling him. We're just letting him know you've been served. Remember, Jesus said, it is finished. So let's look at David's narrative of the way things are from God's perspective. Now, this psalm that we're going to look at, it's a contrast between the life of the believer and the wicked and the attitude that you and I should maintain. Now, here's the deal. In your notes, you're going to notice some blank spots, right? That is for you that as we're reading this through, here's what I'm believing. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you a phrase or a verse in each one of those verses just jot it down and keep it for reference for the future and put it in your Bible. It just—it may be a word. It may be just put down the verse that you saw that word. Underline it. Uh, highlight it in your Bible app. And so I'm going to go through this kind of slow with the idea that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal truths to you. They're going to help you because I know that with a, a group of people this size, At least a couple of you are discouraged and you need this word of hope today. You need this word of peace today and you just need to know, here, God's got your number. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you need and he knows why you're here today because you need to hear this. So just before I jump into this, let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I pray that this word will do a much better job of speaking to our hearts than I have and we know that to be true. So Holy Spirit, be Holy Spirit, right now, and reveal truths to the hearts of your people today. Drive it deep in the heart so it penetrates and will permeate and will resonate and begin to elevate in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Now, notice this in chapter 37, verse 1. It says, do not fret. Now, let me stop there. You think, boy, if you're going to stop every, you're going to be here all day. I just want (laughs) to highlight because... This term fret, if we don't understand the meaning, the assumption would be, well, okay, it just means don't be anxious. That's not what this word means at all. What this word means is, it's the Hebrew word, it means properly to burn, to be kindled, to be inflamed, is often applied to anger as if under its influence we become heated. So, in other words, as we're looking, isn't it easy for us as we're looking at our world today, and see the things that are happening around us to get a little bit heated. And not even necessarily righteous indignation. We're just mad. And we may say things that, we're just growling, right? And so what we need to be careful about is that we not use the devil's terms to come against what's happening. Because then we're just siding up with the enemy of our soul. 
This gives us proper perspective on how we're supposed to handle where we're at. Listen, this is where we're at right now. This word is for right now. It says, do not fret (laughs) or be angry with heated anger because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. They shall be cut down. Not might, not maybe. Well, that's for a different time. No, it's for right now. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Oh, this is so cool. Feed on his faithfulness. Notice in the song we sang, stand on his faithfulness. Well, now I was thinking about that. We get to feed on it. We feed on, how do I do that? Well, I do it this way. I just think back, God, you brought us through this situation and I thought it was impossible, but this too came to pass. Well, guess what? You just use God's reputation and say, well, this too shall come. I don't know how it's going to get us through, but we're going to make it, right? He says, trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret. There it is again. I think he's trying to get a point across. Because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. There you go. It's a kingdom expansion thing, by the way. Don't know if you know that. But we've been talking about it a lot. We're in a kingdom expansion business right now. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. So just put a verse, whatever, down there in your notes. I made some observations. Don't focus on what the enemy says. Focus on your attention on what God says. What's God say? Not, not what the enemy says. So many people highlight the enemy so much, and no wonder why he looks so big in your eyes. It's just, in essence, you're focusing on the wrong, th- wrong thing right? It's like you've got the wrong end of the monoculars looking at God, and then you turn them around to look at the enemy. That just came to me, by the way. That's, there's my picture, and I'm sticking to it. So what, what I got out of these verses was don't fret, don't burn with anger, trust in the Lord, feed on his faithfulness, because he's always been good, Delight myself in the Lord, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, cease from anger, and enjoy the Lord's laugh. Right? When the the enemy just seems to be raging, realize God sees their end and just starts laughing. You think you've got this? Guess what? I've been in this business a long time. Verse 14. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. 
For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Now, you and I are righteous because of the righteousness of Christ, right? That's what the Bible says. We're righteous because of his righteousness, so we're the righteous he's talking about. Verse 18, the Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Huh, forever. How long is forever? forever. Oh, very good. Wasn't even a trick question. <laughs> they shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. God's going to take care of us. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps, watch this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Verse 25. I have been young and now old. Boy, I can now say that. Well, I just say older. I have not, watch this. I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. That's the narrative you and I have. That's the narrative we need to cling to. That's the narrative we need to speak out. So don't focus on what you assume the enemy is getting away with. Focus on what God has given you to overcome. He's giving you everything you need to overcome. You just got to acknowledge it. Just got to take it in your hand and walk it out. You got to speak it out. The enemy hates it when you do that. So here's some of the things that I've observed. Now, I know God is dealing with your heart about stuff, and you're just putting down verses or phrases that something popped up in there. The plans of the wicked will boomerang. They'll boomerang. They'll come back on them. The enemy makes the plans. Hey, have any of you ever read a, a unique book called the book of Esther? Wasn't Haman in that book? Yes. Haman be hanging. <laughs> right? On the very thing that he built to take care of who he assumed what the enemy was, he got to hang on it. The enemy is just building their own trap. Oh, now, where was I? Oh, here we go. Be satisfied with what God has blessed us with. Our inheritance is forever. We show mercy and we are generous. Our steps are ordered to the Lord. Though we may fall, we shall not be destroyed for the Lord upholds us. Throughout the ages, the righteous have never been forsaken. Throughout the ages. Now, here we go. Last few verses. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. <laughs> That's us. You, you, you don't have to be dead to be a saint. In fact, you have to be alive. So all the saints in the house were here, and he's watching over us. 
They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. He shall exalt you uh, to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native tree. A native tree. Now, think about that for just a second and what we're seeing around the world. The enemy is trying to spread his net like a tree around the world, right? Yet, he passed away and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not. God's going to take care of the wicked. God's going to take care of them. We just have to do what we're called to do. Right? Whew. Just got to remember where I was. I get so caught up. <laughs> the wicked watches the righteous, seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him. Now we're going down to the tree. Here we go, verse 36. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, they sought him, but he could not be found. Verse 37. Mark the blameless man, and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The further, the future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Are you getting this? Yeah. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Focus on God, his narrative from his word. That's what we need to do is focus on God's narrative, right? God's narrative is we win. Thank you for that hearty amen. <laughs> the Lord does not forsake us. It got, it got disturbingly quiet just then. The Lord does not forsake us, does he? None of our steps shall slide. We have a rich inheritance. Our salvation is of the Lord. We shall be exalted in the land. So here's God's narrative. Here's, here's the narrative of what, what we're going to think on. We win. What we're going to talk about, we win. What we're going to walk out, we win. So we're going to think about it, talk about it, and walk it out. We win. We just got to speak that victory everywhere we go. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore those things happening around us. It just means that we're going to be there to influence those things for the sake of the kingdom of God. Here's what I know to be true. But God. You could go through all of those 40 verses and say, but God, here's what the wicked are doing. But God, here's what the wicked are saying. But God, here's what the wicked are trying to get away with. But God, but God, but God. You've got a but God in your life. Yeah. Every day there's a potential and a possibility of a but God situation. You go, I don't know, but God. With that narrative in mind, I want to close with a final thought, knowing that Jesus is coming back, but we have a mission to fulfill. And here's a scripture that I really want to get into your heart. It's in 2 
Corinthians 5, 17 to 24, 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, not just the pastor's or the elders, or the staff, us, we have the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now watch this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now remember, when we got born again, our citizenship changed. It did. We went to, from being a citizen of this planet to a citizen from there representing God here. Now, as though God, watch this, as though God were pleading through us. And that's exactly what's happening. Is God is pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message. Just so you know, God loves you so much. He's not mad at you. He loves you. His son came and died for you. And he wants you to know that. All you got to do is say yes to what's already been made available to you. That's your inheritance. Do you want that? Some may say yes, and some may say no. And it could be that when you present that message, you simply planted a seed. It could be you say that, and you simply watered a seed that's been planted. And it could be when you say that, it's their day because God brings about the increase, and you bring the word, and they get saved, and you go, yes. There's nothing more exciting than leading someone to faith in Christ. Nothing. When you're in that birthing room and they come out and, and they're like, yes, oh, what did God do in my life? You can say, he just stepped into your life. He interrupted you. You're no longer a citizen here. You're a citizen there. And here's your call. Here's what God's called you to do. You're a minister of reconciliation. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And let's give God a hand. Now, I want to share just a really, really quick testimony. And I heard it this past week, and, and I was so intrigued by it that I listened to it again this morning because I just really wanted to give it to you accurately. There was a pastor in a South American country. I won't name the country. Uh, and in that particular country that he was in, he was called by God to go into the capital city of that particular South American uh, state or whatever. And he'd been there for many years and it just seemed like nothing was happening. Nothing was going on. And, and it just seemed like, now get this, it seemed like, there was, it was, there was drugs and there was gangs and, and, and people would say, you don't want to go there. It's a very bad place. What does that sound like? People say, yeah, they, well, it sounds like they say that the same thing here, but watch what happened. So this pastor decided, well, you know, I'm just here. Here's kind of the way he looked at it. I, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to fast. And God, if you don't come through, I'm quitting. I mean, that's what he said. So he set his heart to begin to pray and to begin to fast. And it just seemed like nothing was going on, nothing was going on. And so 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 a.m., he finally just threw up his hands. He says, I quit. I'm done. I'm fed up. 
And about that time, he heard a noise at the door. And he, he's like, 4 a.m., who's here for it? He goes over, and someone had shoved a book right under the door. He grabbed the book, opened the door, and nobody was there. And he lifted the book up. It was called The Seven Mountain Prophecy. And he began to read that book from cover to cover and realize, this is my answer. This is my answer. Now, that was about 12 years ago. And the writer of that book happened to be in town at a conference. And that pastor went to him and says, I really need you to come to where I'm at. I need you to come. I need you to be here. I want you to see what God's done because of your prophecy. He said, well, you know, I'm really, really, really busy. I've got meetings. Okay, this afternoon we'll go. So he went down there, and the pastor was telling him this story. And when he got down there, he was shocked because of all the, the, the stuff that had happened in that community and, and all the drugs and alcohol and gangs and blah, 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 blah. All these things were happening, but this guy began to realize he needed to get the people involved in their community. That community is now, listen to this, because of the, he, he recognized that everybody has a call of God on their life. It's just, where are you called to? And he got him involved in the call. 80% of that community, that capital, are born again in that community. 80%. So much like our Fresh Start and Equip classes here, it's like, okay, you're born again. What are you going to do with it? So when they come to his church, he shows them the seven mountains, which one's your call? Where are you called? Now do it. And if you don't pick, we'll pick it for you. And he was, the, the, the writer of the book was blown away because he saw it before his very eyes, the prophecy coming to pass in this pastor's life. Let's stand. Uh, God can do the same thing here. God's got a redemptive purpose for Grays Harbor County. Our pastors have had this vision for years and years and years. And guess what? We need to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it. Amen? So let's bow for a word of prayer. We got some people in here that, are anxious to say yes to Jesus. That's the narrative I'm going with. Amen. They're anxious to say yes. So you're here this morning, and you haven't said yes to Jesus yet. You are invited here by a friend, or you just decide to give us a shot and see what happens. All over this house, God is dealing with your heart, even right now. And you know you're the one. You may have served God at one time, and you walked away. You got kind of cold and distance, but you're here today or you've never said yes to Jesus all over the house, if that's you, I want you to lift your hands up. And that, okay, good. Anyone else? All over the house. Okay, good. Anyone else? Anyone else? All over this house. Just say yes. We got people lifting their hands. A couple people. Let's give God a hand. Whether it's one or a thousand, every soul matters to Jesus. So let's pray this prayer together as a group and ushering these people into the kingdom of God. So let's pray this. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today in need of your salvation. I give my life to you. Now fill me with your spirit. I want to be effective for your kingdom. So open my eyes to your word. In the name of Jesus, you are now my king, my lord, my boss.
and my Savior. My life no longer belongs to me. It is now yours. I give you freedom to do anything you want to do in me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's give God a hand. Amen. As we get ready to sing this last song here, I want to have my prayer team come on up. And you really, you're, you're in a situation, you need prayer. We're here to pray with you and watch what God does. Um, and so we're going to worship, and uh, please feel free to come forward. <laughs>